This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. This hour, we're going to be joined by Jason Chaffetz. Don't ask me how I know. Okay, he's here. Carl Shimkus at the bottom of the hour will be a breath of fresh air after I'm done with the congressman, who happens to be a Fox News contributor. You're watching him on Fox Nation. But the music indicates I should get uh, first announced to you today is the big show. 8 o'clock, the January 6th hearings. And it's built for television. I'm surprised. I would not be surprised if there's a big curtain revealed and there's a warm-up uh, comedian to come out before. Because this is really built for primetime. This is stuff should be due at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on C-SPAN. But no, they're putting their big names and their biggest hits on right away. No joke. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. You go back to Watergate, you had a public that largely trusted government. The threshold here is so high. I think it's why they've hired TV producers. It's why they're trying to keep it to 90 minutes. It's why there's been a steady stream of leaks. What they're trying to do is grab the public by the lapel and say this is a much, much bigger deal than you think it is, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Nice try. Uh, You should have real Republicans on the panel, like Jim Banks, who was supposed to be there, and Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, who are conservative, but just aren't acting like it. The January 6th investigation has thundered into a Broadway production, and the curtain goes up tonight, primetime. We will watch and tell you uh, what we think, but I want to know what you think the aim is. Number two. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. And we certainly continue to encourage that outside of judges' homes, and that's the president's position. Unbelievable. Supremely dangerous. That's how any rational observer would describe what's happening at the homes of conservative Supreme Court justices around the country. And it would be a would-be assassin was caught in front of Justice Kavanaugh's home yesterday. This is President Biden predicts a revolution. No joke because of Roe v. Wade. Number one. Inflation is the is, is the is the bane of our existence. Inflation is mostly in food and in gasoline. You know, my dad used to say every every family is a little bit of breathing room. Yeah, uh, we love hearing that story. It's uh, I can really re- relate to it. President Biden did his first sit down interview in over four months, and he chose Jimmy Kimmel to do it. Did it reassure the American public that he has a handle on inflation, gas prices, and crime? No. But it did give his communications team something to do today, and that's walk back that revolution comment and so much more. Uh, Congressman Jason Chaffetz, I just before the show, I mean, I was struggling this morning at about 4 to knock it down to three things. There's so much going on. A lot of violence, uh, a lot of talk of violence, and then the issues that people really care about, like, you know, inflation and whatnot. But, oh, my goodness, there's so many things coming out in 
you're you're number one on this list. The the dog and pony show. The 25 minutes of Liz Cheney uh, trying to to weave this together. I don't think America cares, and I don't think they're gonna they're gonna watch. Here's what disappointed me. We're talking about January 6th. Liz Cheney's a conservative. I don't care. I mean, she has a problem with Trump, but she is not anything but a conservative. She voted with him almost every single time. And she understood that Trump was different than any other leader, and still he, she was in his corner. But this was where the rubber hit the road for her. Understood. Adam Kinzinger, pretty conservative guy. Uh, so I thought they'd get on that panel, and when they started bringing up a lot of these agenda items that were nothing to do with the investigation, they she, they start pointing out where was security, where were the requests. You know, this was, uh, he did say, uh, walk over peacefully and patriotically. I thought there'd be a little bit of pushback. Because when you sit down with it, they fundamentally always fought with Democrats on things like this. Not now. Did it surprise you? It, it does. I know them both. I served with both when I was in Congress. But I think the the disconnect where they should have walked away from this, this show that is being put on by the Democrats is when the uh, Nancy Pelosi would not allow Kevin McCarthy to appoint people to be the other side, the questioners, the Jim Jordans, you know, banks and whatnot – to actually be on the panel that just totally delegitimizes this thing into a one sides, you know, one one party push. I, I recognize that Kinzinger and and Cheney uh, have taken a very different position on this. I, I I think everybody knows where they're at, but how did they buy into the idea that Pelosi and Pelosi alone would be the one to select who actually gets to ask the questions? Yeah, well, I know we never thought that would be an issue before. Yeah, you know, we'd be how that, many? A couple hundred years, it right. hasn't. It hasn't. So that was uh, one thing. Here's what Jim Vandehei uh, started to say in our open cut thirty two. I think we live in a much different world today than even those Clinton hearings and certainly than Watergate. You go back to Watergate, you had a public that largely trusted government. They took these congressional hearings on both sides more seriously. Uh, obviously, the Clinton stuff was, was pretty polarizing in and of itself. But the, the threshold here is so high. I think it's why they've hired TV producers. It's why they're trying to keep it to 90 minutes. It's why there's been a steady stream of leaks. What they're trying to do is grab the public by the lapel and say this is a much, much bigger yeah. deal than you think it is, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. And you'll hear Liz Cheney and others say this is a conspiracy that goes all the way to the top to Donald Trump to try to foment uh, this this revolution or this ransacking of, of the U.S. Capitol to try to overturn the election. That bar's really high. It's one thing to say something on social media, and they're very fixated on what Donald Trump was doing on social media that day, whether he was signaling to the Proud Boys and others to keep it up. A uh, couple of things. If you look at some of those text messages, the most telling was Don Jr., Don Jr. is like, can you tell him to get on television? This is not good. Tell him this is bad. If anybody would know about a conspiracy, so-called conspiracy, to storm the Capitol, it would be the son of the president who was very much in lockstep on the very rally. But you saw the text messages that Liz Cheney let out. Yeah, I I don't think there is some smoking gun. There's no new witness that is suddenly going to be compelling. There's no imperative to be at 8 p.m. and prime time and all those types of things. I think it's going to be viewed as the the show and the circus that they want it to be. And I don't think, quite frankly, very many people are going to be watching. And one of the reasons that I think you're right is because we're overwhelmed right now with inflation. First time since I was in grammar school that we're talking about inflation nonstop. And it, gas lines 
and the gas lines aren't starting yet because not many people can afford to get in line, it's going to hit $5 maybe today. $5 on average. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's not going to be 9 in California. So these things are very everyday items, and baby formula is another. Now they're telling us about pet food is going to run out. Soon we're going to have rolling blackouts because of our, 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 uh, our power grid. We can't get cars. We and, know that because of the chips. And, and then you add to that the food prices because that that's coming next. We've been warned and warned again that this is going to affect food. These are everyday items. And that plays items. into why we don't care as much about January 6th. Yeah, exactly. But there's there's look, going back to January 6th, there's no new information. They are charging appropriately the people who stormed the Capitol. You broke the law, then charge them. The Republicans aren't opposed I mean, to that. You They're take, in favor of that. You take a cop shield. And you break a window and you climb through that window. I Nobody's making prosecute excuses them. for that. Are you kidding? Yeah, prosecute them. And there are lots of people that have been prosecuted. So, I yeah, I think they're going to put on – they're trying to put on this show to try to distract. But the moment you go to the gas pump, the moment you go to the grocery store, the moment you try to go online to start to purchase something, you recognize that even though you may have got a, a 5% pay raise last year – Guess what? That's just been washed away. You're making less than you were before. And and it's exacerbated by the fact that Biden goes out on Kimmel to try to explain it about his daddy. And guess what? Nobody's buying it. It just reeks of incompetence. You have people, you have the commerce secretary saying, we're out of ideas. There's nothing we can do. I mean, it, it, and she's the golden child. They she, She's the MVP of that administration. Yeah. I, and so. It just reeks of incompetence. They have no new ideas. There's no way to tackle it. And their only solution that I actually do hear them out there, let's go out and spend more money on health care. So a couple of things that you just brought up. If I'm just talking about January 6th to leave this behind for a second. Number one, I'm horrified that people did that. I really am. Yeah. I thought it, it was, was a horrific I, And day. I've said this before. Yeah. Uh, and I said to Pete Hicks on the air that day who covered the rally, there was 30,000 people there. They don't show the crowd. I don't know why. Huge turnout. A bunch of people said they were upset about the result of the election. They saw the president got more votes than any other Republican in history, and they couldn't believe this terrible campaigner who's failed twice got 82 million. I'm not sure the intricacies of where the votes went. I'm not sure if there was a, a, a great deal of corruption. I have not seen it. Having said that, for the president to have the rally and say march to the Capitol, he is on the record of requesting 20,000 National Guard. Number two is now we have the Secret Service who came out and said the president was insisting on going down there. Okay? So they said he never intended to go. He should have So if he's insisting on going down there, use the term patriotically, uh, write down, uh, pay, go down there patriotically and peacefully. If he was there, not in a million years would he have joined George Patton, go ahead and storm the gates. No way was that the intention. You factor in those texts, that was an opportunity. For Kinzinger and Cheney to get some, I guess, relevance and credibility. Because she could have yeah. said, listen, there's a few things that show this was not a conspiracy. And there's a few things that show it is. But she is just as militant as Nancy Pelosi on it. Yeah. So that, to me, is the stunning part. The person who's actually in charge of Capitol Hill Police uh, is Nancy Pelosi. So to have a hearing without her is incomplete. Remember, they didn't want to see that police presence. They didn't like the idea of the police presence everywhere. Remember the White House right. was breached and the president was put into the basement and they said, well, we don't like the idea of these cops around. These people should be allowed to protest. That's right. And and they're not going to bring in the Capitol Hill police. Uh, how can you not have the head of the Capitol Hill police? And, and why aren't they exploring this idea of the request from the president 
suggesting that, you know, it, there should be thousands of National Guard there to protect. They are a resource. They are available. But they're not going to even talk about that. So today. that's as much I'll talk about January 6th. I'll see what comes out of it. We are horrified by it. If the Hillary Clinton was a part of it, we'd be all over it. But we wouldn't overextend it. I don't believe we'd be seeing the drag it out. Because I believe in the big picture, America's got so many pressing issues. Even look at Roe v. Wade, the attempted assassination of Justice Kavanaugh. Look at what happened in our schools in Uvalde. Look at what's happening with a uh, illegal immigrant storming our border that's the border that's 32, uh, 32 miles deep and getting bigger. Could be fifteen thousand in a week. And now you say, oh, two years ago something happened. We have to go over it again. I think it's a misplay. But when we come back, Bill Bruin, who's a former Obama White House official, now with Global Engagement, uh, who is a Global Engagement Director, thinks it's got to be a total reset for this Democratic administration. I'll let you hear what he has to say and have Congressman Jason Chaffetz weigh in. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. We do not have a strategy of regime change in Russia. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. The United States remains committed to our one China policy. We do not support Taiwan independence. If chemical weapons were used in Ukraine, would that trigger a military response from NATO? It would would trigger a response in kind. The United States has no intention of using chemical weapons, period, under any circumstances. So that was just some of the walkbacks. I could have went on at least for 20 minutes about some of the walkbacks that evidently President Biden is enraged that his own staff has walked back justifiably because it seems as though he goes against his own foreign policy or long thought to be foreign policy. Jason Chaffetz with here with us, former congressman, Fox News contributor. So the president last night uh, made clear over the last two days his wife and his sister went up to his staff and say, let Joe Biden be Joe Biden. Stop coaching him so much. Let him go out with the people more. That's what we're going to get. Yeah, more Joe Biden, more cowbell. That's what we need. Uh, That's going to solve the problems. You have one of the worst communicators as a president we've ever had. You got Kamala Harris, by the way, who's, you know, a word salad every time she uh, she decides to speak. 
but how embarrassing that you you essentially need to get your your wife and your daughter to say leave them alone. I mean, who is running that place if not the president of the United States? So uh, Brett Bruin writes this column in the USA Today, and Brett Bruin is a former White House Global Engagement Director, and he just can't believe the mistakes he's making on the global stage. He thinks there's got to be a total reset. He's got a bad staff. He joined Fox and Friends today. Listen to – so when he went out and wrote this column, Jason, it was something you would write. Some of the criticism that you've said – and it wouldn't be a big deal, a Republican congressman writing that. Right. But for an Obama official to write it, it's outrageous. Cut 36. The weight of his words matters so much more, and he's just been careless with some of these comments. And, uh, you know, the point that I make in the op-ed is his team knows that he has this tendency. They are ill-prepared when he's made these repeated comments, whether it was on Afghanistan, on Russia, on Taiwan. We have got to shake up that team, not just because of the gaps that Biden's continue to make and the lack of preparedness that they've had in response to them, but just the summit this week in L.A. and how disastrous this is for our diplomacy, you know, the fact that we almost uh, lost a a strong relationship with France over uh, a lack of coordination on the submarine deal with Australia. I mean, these are just basic, fundamental elements of Diplomacy 101. What about D-Day? You don't recognize D-Day for two years in a row. And then with the Conference of Americas coming to our country for the first time. No Honduras, no El Salvador, uh, no, uh, uh, no Mexico. Yet the biggest issue is clearly illegal immigration and bringing manufacturing back to those impoverished nations. Yeah, I, I he never did his homework or, or plowed the ground to make sure we weren't embarrassed like this. And, and we were supposed to get the person who had been in D.C. for fifty years, who understood all this stuff, who was going to bring normalcy back, and it and it's not. It is embarrassing. Look, they have kept him in a cocoon. I mean, the Jimmy Kimmel interview after four months. Yeah, four months in the cocoon. Um, and they still have to cover up for his gaffes. Um, it, it, it again, I think he got a poorly executing staff who continually contradicts the president. It begs the question: Who's really in charge? I think it's Susan Rice. I think it's Brian Deese. I think it's it's Ron Klein. These these are the people that are really, I think, running the show there. But if Joe Biden has a problem, then fire somebody. Make a change. Don't just wait to get shellacked at the at the midterms. But he doesn't show any gumption that way. So he hired these people in the first place. So you look at Roe v. Wade. You look at uh, Roe v. Wade being big, guns being big, and now this January 6th. This seems to be the trifecta of hope for Democrats. They feel like they're on the right side of these issues. You've been debating these issues for years. What do you think? I, you know, you heard the Democrats at one point when they gathered together and they said, hey, wh- why don't people like us more? It's because the policies that they did implement have caused these problems. These are self-inflicted wounds. The border was not an issue. Now it is. Inflation was not an issue. Now it is. Afghanistan should have been a proud moment for this country to bring our troops home. And we lost 13 on our way out. It was just an absolute debacle. And I mean, what issue do you point to as a Democrat that says, yeah. This is where America really agrees with us. Even on the Roe v. Wade, they're not getting rid of abortion. They're giving it to the states. Guess what? New York and California and all the people that are concerned about it, there's going to be more abortion than ever in your states. Right. Uh, Might have to pick up and go to a different state if you're there to do it. Correct? Yes. In Utah, we're going to probably have one of the most stringent uh, laws. In in Mississippi, probably as well. But you know what? 
abortion is not going away. So don't try to overplay your hand and tell some like inflation that you just fundamentally have wrong. Or say we can do it. It's okay up until the ninth month. Yeah. Jason, I'll see you on One Nation this weekend, right? This is going to be a good show. Yes, Saturday. I hope so. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Interestingly, current ambassadors serving overseas as well as former ambassadors have reached out, have thanked me for voicing some of these concerns. Because traditionally, you know, the national security circles here in Washington are a pretty tight-knit group. And that's the problem, is that Biden's national security team is cut from the same cloth. There's nobody in the Situation Room saying, you know, our assumptions need to be challenged on this. Because if not, we're going to continue to drive into these diplomatic ditches. And that is a guy that you would think would have the back of Joe Biden. And if they had a problem, they wouldn't come forward. But that is not the case. This guy, Bill Bruin, went to the USA Today two days ago and wrote an editorial on how they really have to break up the White House. Brett Bruin, I should say. He's the White House Global Engagement Director. He just went over this with Jason Chaffetz. But now he's saying the people on his national security team uh, are thanking him. Ambassadors around the world thanking him for speaking up. Because they all think the same way. There's no counter thought within the situation room at the White House. And the thought that's prevailing is terrible policy. Carly Shimkus is the co-host of Fox and Friends First. You see her all around the channel. Carly, it's pretty amazing that Brett Bruin came on to talk about the column that he wrote in USA Today on our network. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. It was a great interview, Um, and it is um, a good thing that he spoke out, and I think that he is spot on, especially when it comes to uh, national security. And I know that a lot of focus gets put on some of the gaffes that the president makes when he speaks out. Uh, To be honest, sometimes I think that the walkbacks are more damaging than the comments that he makes. Because it underlines his mistakes or because the – you like what the president no, saying? No, because I, I think that sometimes his reaction is uh, coming from a, a, pos- a position of strength, and then it gets undercut by the administration, who sends out a message and says, "Oh no, 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 we actually didn't mean that." Like, you know, President Biden when he was in Poland, and I think that this is probably a pretty unpopular opinion. But when he said that Putin cannot remain in power, good, he shouldn't have the president say that. Don't correct him. Right. I felt like that would the comment that he made about Taiwan. Spot on. Scare China. But, but here's one thing that would be different about what, what you just said. When I okay the script, I'll say I'm putting that in there. And, and then it'll be in there. So we have our debate behind closed doors. I walk out that door. I say it. And the administration says, well, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. the president said what he said. Well, Instead, you don't add a statement like that at the end. You read the script, didn't you? We know what happened, didn't you? So don't you? So what, why do you yeah. have to ad-lib that moment? Yeah, it was definitely – I mean all those comments are, especially the the one that he made in Poland, a moment of passion. And I think that presidents are uh, – can be afforded those moments. But then there, really? there are these yeah. – You think the president can be afforded those moments? I'm going to oust a world superpower leader? He said leader? that Putin should not remain in power. Right. right and I but, think that a lot of people were feeling that at the time and still are. But it has to be – but, but that could could be fine. But if I'm the president, either it's policy. If I'm on a vent, I go to my smoking room. Uh, I, I, I put on my tennis shoes mm-hmm. and I sit there and I vent to my chief of staff. I don't do that in Poland. I mean, the France leader came comment. back and said, uh, excuse me. 
That's not the issue. Because what's happening in Russia is they're playing. They're saying that the West wants to oust Putin. He wants it the world against us. Mm -hmm. We helped that narrative. If you decide to make it your narrative, it can't be out of raw motion. Yeah, I I completely understand you. I think that the administration could have handled it a completely different way and said, listen, what the president was expressing is that uh, Russia just invaded a sovereign nation. And what he wanted to express was if Putin escalates or steps mm-hmm. one toe in a NATO nation, no, we no longer think that he should remain So in power. this Chesa Bodine, who was voted out of office by a substantial margin yesterday, I think it's so much bigger. I think it's going to ripple to Gascon, and I hope it ripples to Chicago, and I hope it ripples through Philadelphia. And a Republican governor could fire Alvin Brack because it's in, our con- in the ARC, meaning the New York Constitution. Mm-hmm. So what do you think the messages the Democrats are taking from Chesa Bodine's ouster? I mean, this is this is a big deal, especially because it happened in San Francisco. And you know what? I was reading about the way that the voting. Did you read about who voted yes and who voted no to recall Chesa Boudin? The Really, the only areas that voted yes to um, have him stay as the district attorney were the rich white areas. Because wow. Because this, this crime doesn't affect them. But yet, Chesa Boudin says this is the right wing conspiracy. Yeah. And then there him. was this uh, clip that was played on Fox and Friends. I, you may have the sound, you may not, of that leaked audio of the jailhouse recording of the prisoner who is um, accused of murder, and he's on the phone, I believe, with, with his, his mom, and he's saying, "I better get a, I better cut a plea deal." Is that what he wanted? He wanted a plea deal because he knows that Gascon um, is also facing a recall, and he wanted to cut a, a basically a sweetheart deal uh, before that happens. So if the prisoners are afraid that you as the district attorney are going to get recalled and your soft on crime policies are going to go away, you are taking the wrong position. So I thought it was interesting when you have this guy, Brett Bruin, stand up and write that editorial. Uh, when Bill Maher comes and says the things he does because it, it upsets the apple cart. When Joe Rogan, who famously voted for Bernie Sanders, says the only people that have my back are conservatives. And then James Carville said this about what you just discussed. Cut eight. Democratic voters have seized control of their party. The, the people of San Francisco won last night. The faculty at Berkeley, at the University of California at Berkeley, lost. And, you know, this is not unusual. They lost in Seattle, Minneapolis, Buffalo, Cleveland, New Orleans, New York City. Uh, I, I mean, hopefully that the, a lot of people in the party and a lot of people that cover the party and influences understand that the Democrats around the country live in this country and they, they want a safe country and they want people to pay attention to them. Yeah, I know. I think that James Carville has said a, a, a lot of smart. I mean, he's, a, he's a brilliant guy. Uh, he said a lot of smart things about the state of the Democratic Party, although it just feels like there are it's becoming increasingly radical. And um, he's trying to speak for the more moderate wing of it. I but want he, the president to say that you, you want the president to say. Yeah, yeah. I wish the president said that. I know. Yeah. And something else that Carvel um, has, he always talks about this too. He's like, and it's so true. Have you read AOC's tweets? Um, it's like she speaks a different language. She uses words that are not in the normal vernacular. Um, it, it's bizarre. It's all this like woke speak. It's really hard to follow. You can't and, follow it and you're that age. Yeah, no, exactly. I think we're almost this, the exact same age, but it's like we're different. It's it's like a, a totally different species of people. Ah. Um, and she was talking about Latinx recently. She 
released this video, and she was saying that um, Democrats who criticize the Latinx term, which is like the gender-neutral term for Latino, Latina, or Hispanic – um, uh, she was criticizing Democrats for saying that you shouldn't say that. Only problem is that like only three percent of Hispanics um, use that term. I asked my mom recently if she knew what it meant, and she had no clue. Right, and, and your mom is? Oh, my mom's my mom's Puerto Rican. Right. She's like Latinx. No, what is that? I was like, well, I guess you are that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you, I think I, I'm too bad. I have to qualify. Not everybody knows your mom. Oh, that's so, right. Yes. yes, we should know that. Oh, this conversation's. We're on. Oh, yes. I thought this was just you and me. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, on Father's Day is coming up. When we uh, when we come back, you got to tell me the you got to tell us the Father's Day ter- uh, story. story. <laughs> so it's just fantastic. So when we come back about that, but before we close the door on where Democrats are heading, I don't believe James Carville was accurate in the way he described what happened in New Orleans and New York and other places because there are different primary wins and there are different things that happen. Evidently, Adams ran on the pro-law enforcement crime platform, but nothing's changed. In these other cities, nothing's changed. That was a recall. Yeah. That was, you had an election two years ago and you suck so much that we, that we can't mo- yeah. deal with you one more second and you lost by 30 points. Exactly. That to me convinced me. And then when you look what happened with the L.A. mayor's race, when you have this billionaire, former Republican, run on a pro-law and order platform. Got more votes than Karen Bass. Karen Bass, who's loved by the party, almost the running mate. And then her statement after winning the run, winning to earn the runoff, talk about it's time for us to take back our streets and law enforcement. Yeah, I know. Well, it's Please. contagious because people realize that that's what actual Americans want. And to your point about you wish James Carville or President Biden spoke more like James Carville, um, I have never heard a more um, divisive um, and partisan interview in my life than the Jimmy Kimmel thing. That we'll happened play yesterday. some of that okay, when yeah. we come back. Um, yeah, I didn't listen to the whole thing. I read it. Oh, uh, because I, I was I was up be- right it. before your show starts. Uh-huh. You watched the whole thing? Yeah, I watched it in the cat cab over. It was ugh. Was, I mean, it's at one point, um, President Biden was trying to like make an appeal to the audience. He's like, and I'm talking to Democrats, and and I and I hope Republicans in the this audience too. And I'm like, there are really? absolutely no Republicans in this audience. Jimmy yeah, Kimmel awful. made sure of that. Yeah, I know. It, I don't understand that either. I mean, listen. We've had this conversation so much, but it's true. You, your ratings will be higher if you are funny and nonpartisan as a comedian. Because if you are even slightly to the right, you can't listen to what happened yesterday. It is just nauseating. It was just this clap fest and just so, so polarizing. At a time, by the way, when there is a real bipartisan effort going on in the Senate to pass gun violence legislation, and he's railing against Republicans, you just have to wonder if that sort of speech will affect the legislation. Because if I were a senator, I'd say, listen, the heck with this. A couple of things. I believe when you just said that, remember Joe Biden wants to take more control? Maybe he trumped his communications team and said, uh, Mr. President, you haven't done an interview in four months. You're going to get ripped if you first interviews with Jimmy Kimmel. I want to do Jimmy Kimmel. Maybe he does it. Tone deaf to the attempt on Kavanaugh's life. Tone deaf to the debate in Congress yep. and the need for bipartisanship. Exactly. Tone deaf to even January 6th. So uh, we'll discuss that when we come back and find out how Carly Shimkus was told by – what Carly Shimkus was told by her dad the one of the last times she got him a Father's Day present, which might cost him his present this year. <laughs> back in a moment. Oh, boy. 
a radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I know on the weekend show, you use a, a booster seat. Barley, how tall are you? Holy. I'm 5'10". You're 5'10". Yeah. Apparently, it's all from come here. Come sit up. here. Okay. And look, at, I'm a short torso right. guy. Right. And Brian Kilmeade, he apparently just squishes this side of the couch yeah. so you sink in. But Weapons it is like you're too. sitting in a hole. Brian does have a his seat because he sat in that space for so long. There's a right. hole there. It's a dent. It can't be it's because try it. Right. Try, try it. it. Is it there is, a hole? It's really comfy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is a nice better than that, seat. The oh, middle? what? Ainsley, sit here. Okay, let me it's try. It's much more comfortable. Indeed. Well, I'm glad you Oh, it is. It is, right? It's squishy. See, in my defense, it's squishy. So that's what you, that's my surprise, Allison. So that's what happens when I'm not there? That's what happens on the curvy couch when, when you're not when there. When was this? I mean, Carly was there. It was yesterday. Carly, Carly Shimkus is here, by the way. Carly, when was this? Well, this was yesterday, right? Yeah, so Pete was filling in for you. But the um, origin of this was when I was filling in for Rachel over the weekend. Uh, when I sit in the middle between Pete and Will, um, I appear taller than them. Oh, and, no question. And, and Pete doesn't really care. I love I love Will so much, but he cares. He, he really is worried. So so uh, Dave, the stage manager, put a little cushion under each of their seats so that it makes them look taller than me, which I don't mind. I truly don't mind. But who outed him? Lawrence over the weekend and wow. said and said because he goes, "What are you guys?" He is taller on? than you, Lawrence. Well, both of them are also taller than me, but I. But there is a divot but, where you and Steve sit. Oh, yes. And I don't think. But it's, it's because of Pete. Oh, you think it's because? Oh, there's of no Pete? question. How, how big? Pete's like two ten, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I don't think it has to do with you guys wearing the c- couch at down. Do you? That you, yeah. You'd have to be like six hundred pounds to do that. I think it's just the way the the cushion is. I don't know. Does she know anything about cushions, Allison? <laughs> it's like it's like you never. Do you never it's worked the, in a furniture store? It's the, no, but no, but we did a little investigating. No, no, no. It's the way the couch is. I should say, there's like a hole there. It's oh. just I don't know. It's just the way it is. But anyway, wait, I know that you want to get okay. you want to move on. The other thing is just so I don't want to lose this story. Oh. So we mentioned about Father's Day in golf, and I think it's worthy telling the story. I thought you have the best idea for Father's Day. Your dad likes to golf. Yeah, my dad's a big. So golfer. you had a great idea. So I said, Dad, let's go to the driving range. Just, you know, just us. Father, daughter. Father, daughter. Great moment. Let's bond. <laughs> yeah. So we went to a driving range near where my parents live. And I hit the, I hit the golf ball. And he looks at me and he goes, this is, this is the opposite of a Father's Day gift. <laughs> you hit it that bad. And instead of, like, him helping you, he wanted to leave. Actually, my mom was there, too, and she was like, oh, Carly. (laughs) My mom mom (laughs) is so supportive. She's like, oh, my goodness. It was like I I sinned. It wasn't good. I've never really done that before. It's hard. Oh, believe me. So I missed it a couple times, and I have video on my phone, and I I will show it to you. Will you post it? But only you. Uh, Where would I post it? uh, Post it. uh, We post it on my my social media. (laughs) Can we do that? Half a million followers. I have more than that. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, thank you. I, thank you're thinking you. that thank to Elon Musk. Yeah, right. I, I've okay, gotten, Twitter. Yeah, I've, I got a lot more on Twitter. 
A uh, couple of things. You you brought up the. I think I think that your dad was kidding. He probably loved the fact. He did. He Thank was you. he was joking. It was a fun fun moment. Did you still have to get him a card? Yeah, of course. You know, you just ha- not have to. You want to. So listen, with my family, get this. There's a big push in my family. No more cards. Oh, they don't really. Right. Go. Excuse me. We got to. I mean, what, at what point is it? We got to mark any occasion. <laughs> I mean, you got to look back and remember anything for like the sh- the shirt you gave me, yeah. or the uh, the video game you got. Uh, so we'll, I'm going to keep you up to date on that. Okay. So just leave your number so I can uh, you, constantly yes. text right. you. Yes. Uh, you thought last night was a softball interview. Yes. Here's a little of President Biden doing his four, first one-on-one in four months. Cut one. Inflation is the, is, is, the, is the bane of our existence. Inflation is mostly in food and in gasoline. You know, my dad used to say every, every family is a little bit of breathing room. If you take and look at all the costs that a family has on a monthly basis, it also includes health care, prescription drugs, child care, all those things. What I'm proposing we get, and I think we can get it done, I'm proposing that we, in fact, reduce the cost of those things. By paying out more, upping taxes? Unbelievable. Yeah, yes, exactly. Totally insane. Let's pump more money into the economy during a period of high inflation. And it really was so divisive. Not funny either. It was basically just a 20-minute speech uh, by President Biden, rambly at times. Uh, And then he would say, you know, the Republican Party today, it's not your father's Republican Party. This is mega extremism. And then Jimmy Kimmel would tell a joke about Trump, and then they would move on. And then I think that the most telling part was at one point Kimmel goes, all right, let's talk about the issues, reproductive rights for women, climate change, uh, voter reform. Where are we on those things? I'm sorry, what? What? (laughs) Those are the issues? Those are your issues? And of course those are Jimmy Kimmel's issues because gas prices don't affect him. Inflation doesn't affect him. Crime doesn't affect him. And really what happens is those are Biden's issues too. It's like uh, the Biden administration is being run by Jimmy Kimmel's. And that's why he feels he seems so completely out of touch sometimes. Well, you remember that Chuck Schumer clearly was briefing Kimmel uh, about uh, health care and do different things when Trump first got in office because they had a lot more pull back then. And they would brief him on health care and talk about this, this, and this. And I'm saying to myself, there's no way there's not some collaboration. They was using the late night host to be organs of influence for the Democratic Party. And the Daily Beast wrote up this positive story saying... Oh, I couldn't read really, it. It said that, um, well, a, lo- a lot of the criticism, there was like some jokes about Fox News, start right at the top. And the Daily Beast has a headline that says that Jimmy Kimmel po- proves Fox News wrong and goes hard on Biden. <laughs> what? I need to check to make sure that wasn't an accidental Onion headline that I read. Because it's a joke. It's a joke. Absolutely. I don't think he did himself any favors. I think he's turned his whole White House is turning on each other. Carly, I will never turn on you. I will never turn on you. And if you got me a golf lesson for Father's Day, I would absolutely take you to golf. Thank you so much. The record is straight. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, this hour, we're going to be joined by Mark Thiessen and Senator Steve Daines, who sparred with Secretary of Tre- Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, said this was predictable, this inflation, these gas prices. Don't pretend like it wasn't. Uh, also, today, tonight will be, uh, we have that the big 8 o'clock Eastern time, primetime show of January 6th. Most of the President of the United States is going to be out 
in Los Angeles, probably still there with the Conference of Americas. So important is it, not one press conference, not one joint session, no attacking the core reasons for the massive illegal immigration storming our border, the poverty, the infiltration of China in the region, nothing about what Russia is doing in Venezuela. We don't have anything like that going on because the president didn't even prepare these nations for consequences if they embarrassed us and didn't show. And didn't show? Honduras, El Salvador, Mexico. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by LifeVac. Save a life in a choking emergency. Visit LifeVac.net to learn more and use code BK10 to save 10%. Number three. You go back to Watergate, you had a public that largely trusted government. The threshold here is so high. I think it's why they've hired TV producers. It's why they're trying to keep it to 90 minutes. It's why there's been a steady stream of leaks. What they're trying to do is grab the public by the lapel and say this is a much, much bigger deal than you think it is, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Right. Uh, No, it is uh, way, you're making it way bigger than it actually is. And if you want to get stuff done, you don't make it a show. The January 6th investigation thundered into a Broadway production and the curtain goes up tonight. We'll watch to see what the aim is. To me, it's clear. Stop Trump from running again. Number two. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. And we certainly continue to encourage that outside of judges' homes, and that's the president's position. Really? Supremely dangerous. That's how many any national observer would describe what's happening at the homes of conservative Supreme Court justices. And a would-be assassin was caught in front of Justice Kavanaugh's home. This is President Biden. This is President Biden predicts a revolution over Roe v. Wade. Number one. Inflation is the is, is the is the bane of our existence. Inflation is mostly in food and in gasoline. You know, my dad used to say. Every, every family is a little bit of breathing room. Yeah, right. Thanks, Dad. President Biden did his first sit-down interview in four months, and he chose Jimmy Kimmel. Did it reassure the American public that he has a handle on inflation, gas prices, and crime? Nope. But it did give his communication team something to do today, and that's walk back a series of quips, uh, one of which talked about revolution. So when asked about Roe v. Wade and knowing that there was a leak that shows it could be overturned thanks to the Dobbs decision that could come out any day, the president was asked about that and what actually could happen if that came down. And I was shocked to see the president actually say this. It's clear that if, in fact, the decision comes down the way it does and these states impose the limitations they're talking about, it's going to cause a mini-revolution. They're going to vote a lot of these folks out of office. A mini-revolution? You use those terms on the same day that we find out that a assassin dispatched himself to Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh's home, which has been well-publicized and well-protested over the last month. We told you about what Schumer said. Now let me talk about this. There's a California man who decided to go 3,000 miles with, get this, uh, he's looking at about 20 years in prison, a tactical knife, a chest rig, a Glock 17 pistol, two magazines, ammunition, pepper spray, zip ties, a hammer, screwdriver, nail punch, crowbar, pistol-like duct tape, hiking boots, and... Uh, and padding, 
on the soles of his shoes to be able to move in and out quietly. This is so well thought out. You think this guy has killed before. I would do a thorough scrubbing of his background before I went any further. But he eventually would be spotted by two marshals at 105 in the morning, but would call 911 for some reason. He was still out at 145 and said he had suicidal thoughts. Mark Thiessen joins us now. Mark, is it possible to overstate the magnitude of what I just said? You can't possibly overstate it. And just think about this for a second, uh, Brian. Imagine he succeeded. And imagine that as a result, the Supreme Court was unable to issue its decision in the Dobbs case. And then Joe Biden replaced an assassinated conservative justice with a liberal who would vote the opposite way, changing the Supreme Court's decision. Can you imagine the constitutional crisis that would ensue as oh, a result of that? The yeah. uproar in the streets that would happen if that, if that were allowed to happen? And just literally hours after this would-be assassin is arrested, they're allowing protesters in front of Kavanaugh's house again it's in insane. violation of federal law. They're, they're, they are not enforcing the law. This is this is insanity. The the idea that we could, you know, and and by the way, you know, everybody's running around. We're going to have this big hearing tonight about the, the, whose purpose is to say that Donald Trump's rhetoric on January 6th incited the the Capitol riot with on, on March 2020. Chuck Schumer stood on the steps of the Supreme Court and said, I quote, I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions, end quote. How is Chuck, is, is Donald Trump delivering a rally, a speech at a rally in the Capitol in, on, on January 6th, incitement to violence, but Chuck Schumer delivering a speech on the, at a rally on the steps of the Supreme Court, not. It makes Why, no sense. It, it, this is what you're talking about, cut 13. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. And here's how Barras, Senator Barrasso answered this yesterday, cut 15. I believe Chuck Schumer bears some responsibility because he has contributed to this atmosphere of directly attacking members by name of the Supreme Court. Remember, talking about abortion, Chuck Schumer went to the steps of the Supreme Court and he called out Kavanaugh by name. And we heard that. But it just, yep. it just so there's nothing going on about this today. Yeah, the Washington Post has it a lead story. The New York Times doesn't. Yeah, they don't even have it on the front page. It's insane. It's like it's, it's like from their perspective, it never happened. Not important. Not a big deal. Look, Democrats can't hold Trump responsible for January 6th, but absolve Schumer of responsibility for the attempted assassination of Brett Kavanaugh. Now, Republicans can't blame Schumer while absolving Trump. <laughs> the, the, the problem is, is that we, the, the norms in our society and our political culture have fallen apart. The, 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 you know, the, the, and it's putting lives at risk. It's putting our democracy at risk. It has to stop. You, we, we've got to pull back from the, from, the, right. from the abyss that we have here in terms of how we talk about each other, how we behave, how our leaders 
uh, interact. It's it's it, it, it's just uh, you know it's insanity. And and you know again, if if the constant you know everyone treats the January sixth like it was a constitutional crisis, like our democracy was at risk. Our democracy wasn't at risk. The, 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 Mike Pence did the right thing, and even if he hadn't done the right thing, the House would have done the right thing. Uh, that, that our democracy wasn't at risk. Our democracy would be at risk if a Supreme Court justice was assassinated, and and that literally prevented the court from issuing a ruling and changed the the ruling of a Supreme Court from one decision to another because of an assassin's bullet. That would be a real constitutional crisis. That would really put our democracy at risk, much more serious uh, than, than what happened on January 6th. And yet it's brushed under the rug as if it's not, no big deal. So, Mark, how have uh, Matthew McConaughey came to Capitol Hill a couple of days ago? I thought he did a really good job making his case, but obviously the hard part would be drilling down on something people can agree with. Agree with. But listen to President, you saw that Matthew McConaughey said, I'm a gun owner. I grew up with guns. I'm always going to keep my guns. Uh, but I always learned the responsibility of guns. So at least he didn't walk out and say, we got to stop using guns and just give them all up like most people in Hollywood would. And then, of course, they'd go do a crime movie. Uh, here is President Biden yesterday on this issue with Jimmy Kimmel. Cut 24. We're halfway through this year already. There have been, what, 27 shootings at schools? I guess, I mean, just to get into it, why haven't we done anything about this? Well, I think uh, a lot of it's intimidation uh, by the NRA. And uh, look, this is not your father's Republican Party. This is a, a MAGA party. It's a very different, a, a very different Republican Party. And uh, and so you find people who uh, are worried. I believe that if they vote for rational gun policy, they're going to be primary, and they're going to they're going to lose in a hard right Republican primary. There's so much wrong with what he said, but Mark, go ahead. So this is not your father's Democratic Party. This is not the Democratic Party of Bill Clinton. This is not the which, who worked with across the aisle with Republicans on welfare reform and got things done. It's not even the Democratic Party of Barack Obama. You know, a lot of us were worried that the, that the Biden would be a third Obama term. It's worse than a third Obama term. The the I so it. What I can't seem to grasp, and most Americans can't seem to grasp, is there are a number of things on which there is bipartisan agreement, like improving school security, uh, incentivizing red flag laws. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of things that can be done to, protect, to, to improve. Why don't we just take all the stuff we agree on and put it in a bill and pass it and then argue about the stuff we don't agree on? And, it's, and the reason is, is because the Democrats who are in charge and set the agenda on Capitol Hill do not want to give Republicans the ability to say they did something. And so they would rather nothing happen and they can keep the issue to to energize their base in the election right. rather than actually get something done that could protect but Mark, but I do think some, police reform. Right. I do think something will be done in the Senate. I get that because Murphy's been so. remarkably diplomatic about it. But but yeah. as a president that has 35 years political experience, maybe 45 why does he make a speech like he did that night? He knows it makes it harder to pass anything. And why make comments about a Republican Party being MAGA when you know, whether you like it or not, the president have been fiercely protective of the Second Amendment from Bush to Reagan uh, to Nixon? This is not new. Nothing MAGA about it. Some 
focus group told him by saying MAGA, he'll gain Democratic support and using Jimmy Kimmel as a mouthpiece for it. No, it's 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 because they're not. He's desperate. Look, they have a I think uh, there was an NBC News poll show. They have a 17 point enthusiasm gap going into the into the November into the midterm election. The last time they had a gap that big was in 2010 and they lost 60 seats in the House. They are desperate not to not to prevent the Republican takeover because they know that's not possible, but to limit their losses as much as they can. And so they want to use abortion to energize their base. They want to use guns to energize their base. They're desperate to energize their base and hold on to political power. And so they don't want to get anything done. As I was, as I was mentioning, the same thing was with, with police reform in 2020. Tim Scott introduced a bill that had a lot of things that Democrats agreed to, but not everything they wanted. And they wouldn't even let it come up for a vote because they did not want Republicans to be able to say, we worked with Democrats to get something done on police reform. The same is true now. They don't, they, there are good guys like, like Murphy, who, by the way, said, Joe Biden, stay out of the negotiations because he knows he's toxic and he won't help. There's some Democrats who are trying to get something done, but the, the president is not concerned with getting anything done. He's concerned with the collapse of his approval rating and the collapse of his party and the catastrophic response that he's going to face from the voters in November. And by the way, uh, the NRA would love to think that they're intimidating people, but they are a mess. <laughs> they, they, no one listens to the NRA anymore. Yeah. But, but here's the thing that people we, – we, we, we stuck can't in have a rational conversation. Yeah. We can't have a rational conversation on this unless people acknowledge that two things. We have to be able to do two things. One, we have to acknowledge that school shootings are a disgrace and we need to do something to protect our kids. And two, that the right to keep and bear arms is a constitutional right that cannot be infringed. You're, we're not going to solve this by getting rid of people's the rights of millions of Americans, law-abiding Americans. Yep. To, to carry weapons. If, if somebody runs over intentionally, we've had incidents where, pe- where madmen have taken a car and run over you know, people. We don't take away the car rights of, uh, of, of, of millions of law-abiding Americans who drive responsibly. And I we think don't it's a good analogy. Pass laws making car manufacturers liable for how, pe- for how uh, criminals use their, use their product. You have to, we have to be rational and try and find ways to protect kids within the Constitution and the right to keep and bear arms. And that can be done. Mark Thiessen, write about it in the Washington Post. I can't keep helping you with all these columns. I let you thrash around <laughs> and brainstorm on our show. And then I see these wonderful columns. And I wonder when I'm going to get go in your bibliography. Do you put bibliographies <laughs> in the bottom of the columns? I mean, it would be nice. Uh, thanks so much, Mark. Always insightful. Take care. 1-866-408-7669. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Let me give you a story. There's a man in Connecticut that watched his neighbor have a home invasion and watched their whole family get killed. He built his own AR-15 because Connecticut won't let you buy them, but you can abide by rules that allow you to build them. And then he has one in his house to protect his family because he never wants to see that happen again. He is a black man. It's odd. Most AR-15 owners are former military, 35 plus and married. So that's all I'm saying is that they're not these crazy people. Here's the thing. Once black people get guns in this country, the gun laws will change. Trust me. Yeah, what a joke. Uh, These people only know racist uh, quotes. Uh, Plenty of black. Everybody has guns in this country. More than one to a person. 
Barry in Los Angeles. Hey, Barry. Hey, Brian. So uh, every every Republican should be responding to Biden this morning because he's made this comment numerous times about um, it's not your father's Republican Party anymore. The response would be, oh, you mean the Republican Party that's going to put black people back in chains? We need to start throwing his idiocy back in his face. He's a moron. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, his own staff usually does. I mean, he went out of his way just to take shots, and he he's not prepared for these type of unscripted settings. It's probably the worst thing he could do if you want him to be successful. And there's nothing unifying about him, ever. So I don't, I don't know what he thinks he's doing. I mean, James Carville, I played this in an earlier hour, sounded more presidential than him in coming out and in recognizing that this country wants somebody stronger on crime and wants reasonable gun laws. I mean, that's the president talks as if he's the only he's got the only party in the country. Peter in Connecticut. Peter, real quick. Hey, Brian, uh, being a resident of Connecticut, it really irks me. Oh, every time you think talk positively about uh, Christopher Murphy, he's not to be trusted. He's a snake. I mean, it's nearly impossible to buy a gun of any type in Connecticut or to buy ammunition of any type in Connecticut without a thorough background check and special permission from the government. All right, we'll see. So far, the track record says you're right. Peter, I'm hoping this time is different. Give me that. Give me a couple more days to see if this time is different. When we come back, a special guest, Senator Steve Daines, went with Janet Yellen on the biggest issue in America, inflation. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. My question is, Secretary, do you agree with the San Francisco Fed that the nearly $2 trillion March spending package was a significant causal factor in the high, increasingly broad-based and accelerating inflation that we observed this past year? Senator, we're seeing high inflation in almost all developed countries around the world. And... They have very different fiscal policies, so it can't be the case that the bulk of the inflation that we're experiencing reflects the impact of the ARP. That was a little of the exchange between Senator Daines and Janet Yellen. I don't know if she's fallen on the sword for the president or she's just out of her mind. Uh, She has apologized for misjudging uh, the length of the inflationary cycle. Joining us now, Senator Daines. Senator is she is she do you really think she's caught by surprise? Didn't you have an interaction with her a year ago about this? Brian, we were warning the administration, the American people, that you can't launch these massive cash cannons of borrowed money, trillions of dollars into the economy without creating inflation. In fact, you remember Larry Summers, who was Clinton's Treasury Secretary, he was Obama's economic advisor. Larry Summers was with us on this, saying this is going to spark inflation. He was spot on. And when you see the the, uh, San Francisco Fed, which, by the way, Brian, is not exactly a conservative think tank out there in San Francisco, they said it caused inflation. And so they're in complete denial. And don't forget, these are the same administration officials who said 
the beginnings of inflation we started to see last year was only transitory. It was going to go away. They were dead wrong, and we've got to hold them accountable. Well, you know, the president is being held accountable by Jimmy Kimmel. Cut one. Inflation is the, is, is, the, is the bane of our existence. Inflation is mostly in food and in gasoline. You know? So, and he goes on, as if he's not running the country. So he feels as though he can't do anything. Gina Raimondo said the same thing, I can't do anything. Senator, what could you do? Well, first of all, I had, to, I had to laugh. I mean, he says, well, it's only food and gasoline. Right, that's well, it. that's like the two most important issues for the American people. When I'm back home in Montana, their top three issues are inflation, inflation, inflation. And it starts with the price of gas and it's the price of groceries. Look, this has been imposed by this administration. Remember, hours after Biden sworn in, he kills energy infrastructure by killing the Keystone Pipeline. They launched these moratoriums on new oil and gas leases for Made in America Energy. They have bureaucrats and judges around the country that have sent chilling messages to the oil and gas industry saying, we don't want you to be investing in more Made in America Energy. And now the chickens are coming home to roost. It is terrible. The world is looking to the United States to ramp up oil and gas production. Look what's going on in Europe at the moment. Germany's electricity prices are going to be quadrupling from 2019 to 2023 because they banked everything on windmills and solar panels. They shut down coal plants. They shut down nuclear plants. Look what the president said just yesterday. He says, we need to lower tariffs on solar panels. That's their solution, Brian, instead of making more made in America energy, which starts with oil and gas. So the other big story, uh, January 6th tonight. First off, what do you think the point of January 6th, uh, these hearings are? No doubt about it, an ugly part in our history. No doubt about it, mistakes were made, and people acted like idiots uh, in some circumstances. But what do you think the goal is of having a primetime show? This is political theater, Brian. The Democrats are scared to death of what's going to happen in November. There is a red wave coming. We've never seen such strong numbers uh, for Republicans and what's going to happen here, sweeping so many Democrats out of office. So what do they do? They hire a former ABC TV producer to basically orchestrate this made-for-TV political theater. That's what it's all about. They want to be talking about January 6th. The American people want to be talking about the price of gas, the price of groceries, what's going on the southern border. So this is purely a diversion tactic on the Democrats' part to try to take away uh, what American people are talking about, and that's issues of inflation, which the Democrats See, don't. Senator, I feel a little different. I really think this is about stopping Trump from running again. You know, uh, nobody's going to stop Trump from running again. He is the one who will decide that. It's not going to be Adam Schiff or or, uh, or Democrats. Uh, that that will be his decision. And I tell you what, I think it's I think it's a diversion because they don't want people focusing on the real issues in this country. And uh, the, the problem is, as soon as this political theater ends for the Democrats in you know 24, 48 hours, American people will go right back to their gas pump to refill their their pickups and their their right. autos, and they're going to find out that the price of gasoline only went up since this January. I mean, I never thought I'd see $5 a gallon gas, and we're going to see that as, as early as today around the country. doesn't mean it's not more in your, where you are. More are the issues facing the country, according to Quinnipiac. Number one, inflation, 34%. Number two, gun violence. It's half that, 17%. 
followed by immigration at 7%. So I'm going to talk about Roe v. Wade. We know they could be overturned. Then we find out that with the leak, they're doing an investigation. It could happen in the next couple of weeks. Kavanaugh, they're allowed to protest outside his house. Now we find out about a 20-something would-be assassin who's going 3,000 miles with knives, with guns, with zip ties, uh, with hole punchers, uh, with with uh, cushions for his shoes so he wouldn't be detected, picked out by marshals at 1 in the morning, not arrested until 1.55, even though the marshals saw him. And now we find out that Joe Biden still felt bold enough to talk about it with Jimmy Kimmel. Cut 11. It's clear that if, in fact, the decision comes down the way it does and these states impose the limitations they're talking about, it's going to cause a mini revolution. They're going to vote a lot of these folks out of office. A mini revolution? Is that somebody that should have taken the time to say what we found out earlier today is certainly disturbing? Uh, and it's really something I'm now pushing for the marshals to push all the protesters away from all the justices' homes, which, by the way, is illegal. Instead, he uses the word revolution. Can you imagine for a moment, Brian, let's just put the shoe on the other foot for a moment. Let's just say, for example, that that nut that was arrested, that 26-year-old young man who was uh, plotting to kill Justice Kavanaugh, just think for a moment if he was plotting to kill perhaps a left-of-center Supreme Court justice. Do you think that President Biden would have had the same response on Jimmy Kimmel last Not night? Not a chance. He would, he would have had a full-throated condemnation. And listen, Brian, I don't care whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, a liberal, or a conservative. Violence is never okay. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. We need to fully right. condemn somebody who's trying to murder a Supreme Court justice. Where's that message coming from the President of the United States? Instead, he almost incites it further by calling for a mini-revolution. This is frankly atrocious, and he needs to be held accountable for this. By the way, that, that rhetoric we heard from Chuck Schumer a ways back when they were you know, back in December when they had the oral arguments, he was talking about the whirlwinds, unleashing the whirlwinds, unleashing the fury as he's standing in front of the United States Supreme Court. These are, this is dangerous rhetoric that's got to stop. So right now, the president's approval rating on the economy is 26%. This Q poll, which leans left, has him at a 33% job approval. One thing he said, and I'll just paraphrase because I don't want to hear any more of Jimmy Kimmel. But he was saying that Jimmy Kimmel says, you know, I want you to do more on gun control. Why don't you use more executive powers? He said, your predecessor did. He said, yes, I, I'm not one to do that. I want to make sure I don't abuse my power like uh, Donald Trump did. He doesn't use Trump's name. Do you know that he has signed more executive orders than Trump has at this time? You know what he did the very first day? He signed 17 of them the very first day, and he sits there on national television and I guess has short-term memory loss and says, I will not sign executive orders like my predecessor. I mean, the, the stuff he says is so ridiculous. Yeah, uh, Brian, we needed you to be on Jimmy Kimmel last night to be bringing truth to the right. deception this president laid out last night on executive orders. And we're feeling the pain of that. Remember, one of those immediate executive orders was killing the Keystone Pipeline. It was stopping oil and gas leases. We said, you do that. You're sending a chilling message here to stop Made in America energy. This is going to create higher gas prices, higher energy prices. He needs to be held accountable for these actions. And that's why you're seeing his approval ratings in the tank, because 
the American people are seeing through it. Thank God they're not using Jimmy Kimmel and Joe Biden as their source of truth. Uh, they see the reality of what's happening. You can't deny the fact that we're heading for $5 a gallon gas here this weekend across the entire country. And many think, Brian, that we're going to see $6 a gallon gasoline by the time we get through the, the peak of the summer driving season here and heading towards Labor Day. This is a, having a devastating effect on so many families across our country. So we see that um, Justice Gar- this, uh, the person who was nominated to be Supreme Court Justice Garland, who they told us was moderate, now won't even push back these protesters in front of Supreme Court justices' houses and enforce the law. Now we find out they're having prosecutions on these uh, those people who are accused on January 6th. And then we see Janet Yellen say, yeah, I'm sorry, I misjudged inflation. Uh, there's another story out there that she didn't misjudge at all, that, that she knew about it. She brought it up behind closed doors, and people are ignoring her. That, if that is in fact true, that is very similar to what you hear from the generals in Afghanistan. So what are you hearing is going on behind the scenes? Because Brett Bruin, the former White House Global Engagement Director, says wrote a column in the USA Today that would make your criticism of this administration look tame. He says they need a total reset, that they all have group think. Cut 36. The weight of his words matters so much more, and he's just been careless with some of these comments. And, you know, the point that I make in the op-ed is his team knows that he has this tendency. They are ill-prepared when he's made these repeated comments, whether it was on Afghanistan, on Russia, on Taiwan. We have got to shake up that team, not just because of the gaps that Biden's continue to make and the lack of preparedness that they've had in response to them, but just the summit this week in L.A. and how disastrous this is for our diplomacy. You know, the fact that we almost uh, lost a a strong relationship with France over uh, a lack of coordination on the submarine deal with Australia. I mean, these are just basic, fundamental elements of Diplomacy 101. So are they just imploding? Are they just incompetent? They all think the same thing? No one disagrees? what, what What could get somebody to the point where they go public with their criticism of their own party? Listen, I, I don't think it's incompetence. I think they, this is just their radical ideology. You've got climate crazies in the inner circle of this administration. You've got individuals that believe that foreign policy ought to be guitars and kumbaya instead of peace through strength. Brian, it's very, very dangerous because energy security is national security. You get energy policy wrong, you risk the security of the United States of America. You get military security wrong, you, you, you risk the safety of this country and the world. So these are radical leftists who are running this operation in the White House. And I can tell you, I know, uh, we, you know they're hoping to get shaken up, shake up the Biden team. The way to shake up the Biden team is to elect a massive wave of red in November of 22 and in, in November of 24 to elect a Republican president to throw these people out of office. Well, I will say this. He was supposed to bring competence and efficiency and just to disagree on policy. They're not bringing anything to the table. And this, this Council of the Americas, without Honduras, Guatemala, and Mexico, and I believe El Salvador, when they are the problem where all their, their citizens are blitzing their way to our country, they don't even show up and not even having a joint press conference to answer some of the questions and challenges of the region. I mean, it's as if they just were winging it. It popped up on their schedule and they're getting an appearance fee. 
you know, no matter where you go in the world, this administration is leaving wreckage as it relates to foreign policy. Just think for a moment what's going on with Iran. Is they're resurrecting that terrible Iran deal, somehow thinking that the Iranians just want to have a little nuclear uh, power there for nuclear energy. No, no. They want to build an intercontinental ballistic missile capable of hitting the United States of America. That's the truth. This is why what's going on with this administration is dangerous. We need to hold them accountable. I'm grateful. Brian, we've got journalists like yourself who are getting the word out there, exposing the reality of what's happening because it's dangerous. Brian, we're the parents of four, grandparents of three. There's a lot at stake right now for those little grandkids of ours around what kind of world they're going to live in. And Joe Biden is destroying so much what we stand for with this great country. All right. Lastly, uh, what do you hear is getting done on the bipartisan Zoom sessions, which are now in-person sessions led by Senator Cornyn and Senator Murphy? Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of discussion going on as it relates to the response to Uvalde, Texas. But I, I do not believe that um, uh, that what what is, is going to come out of there is necessarily going to solve the problem. Uh, I just introduced a bill uh, with a number of uh, Republican co-sponsors that would take $150 billion of unspent COVID dollars for schools and redirect that to schools to harden the targets, to make them more secure. What's not being talked about enough, and I brought this up yesterday with some of my colleagues, is why aren't we talking about the school resource officer at that school in Uvalde, Texas, who was not at his post? He abandoned his post for whatever reason. He wasn't there. I mean, basic security practices were violated. Imagine for a moment in the United States Capitol, right. if a couple of our Capitol officers just abandoned their post and left the, left the door and we could walk in. And somebody came into the Capitol and started shooting. The first thing we would do is go back and say, we need to fix the security issue. It wouldn't be a call for gun control. The left always will talk about gun they, control. Yeah, they, they, they have to they would, talk, they, they would talk about what we need to do to secure the Capitol. Why isn't that being talked about more, what happened in Evaldi, Texas? Right. No, absolutely. And I think that'll be a part of it. That's what I hear anyway, uh, that Senator Cornyn's insisting on. Well, we'll see what happens, see if Senator Daines is something that you could sign off on or if, uh, if there anything will even be presented to you. Senator, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. You got it. Uh, listen, we'll come back with you. one 408 Holding our politicians' feet to the fire no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The fact of the matter is, I do have to say that the rule of law isn't different for a Republican. The rule of law isn't different different for a Democrat. The rule of law isn't different for an independent. The rule of law is what this country has been founded on. And we, as judges, our democracy, it mandates that we pass the Daniel Anderl bill, and that we do it now. Enough is enough. And I think that members of Congress can see the escalation in the numbers of threats against Mm -hmm. judicial officers. It's just got to stop. That was Judge Esther Salas, whose son was killed because uh, was murdered by a disgruntled lawyer, didn't like her, and she wants to stop it. And then we see this Kavanaugh thing happen And for some reason, Nancy Pelosi won't let it pass the House, even though it passed the Senate, to give them additional security. Carol is on KQAM in Wichita, Kansas. Hey, Carol. 
Hey, Brian, I love your show. Love your energy. Um, I just I like what the um, senator had to say, but he is wrong about J6. He um, he he thinks it's just to deflect from the midterms. They are after Trump. They are totally after Trump. And this all started long before high gas prices, high inflation, bad border. This has been going on too long for it just to be about the midterms. It really is, Carol. I think there's a little bit about the midterms, but most of all is to stop Trump from running again. Uh, For some reason, they know they can't control him. I'm not saying that Trump's going to get the nomination and win, but they are convinced that he can't be stopped unless they stop him now. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest moments of the final hour of this edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show, depending on what hours you take and what order. Uh, we're going to be joined by John Yu in just a moment. Uh, he's a fantastic guest and perfect for this. He's an anomaly. He's a conservative stuck out. Not OK. I can't say stuck, but at Berkeley out in the West Coast. And he's witnessing what's going on there. Uh, he is the former deputy assistant attorney general for the Office of Legal Counsel under the federal government of the United States under the Bush years. Sandra Smith at the bottom of the hour, the outstanding co-anchor of America Reports. Uh, that's all coming your way. And we know today uh, the president's promised some big announcement tomorrow from the Council of the Americas in Los Angeles, which just on the roster alone on who's not there has been an epic fail. Uh, We'll follow that uh, because the president is still out there. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. You go back to Watergate, you had a public that largely trusted government. The threshold here is so high. I think it's why they've hired TV producers. Mm -hmm. It's why they're trying to keep it to 90 minutes. It's why there's been a steady stream of leaks. What they're trying to do is grab the public by the lapel and say this is a much, much bigger deal than you think it is, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. January 6th investigation thunders into primetime. It's going to be a Broadway production. The curtain goes up about 8. It'll close around 11. Will you watch? Do you think the aim is to get rid of Trump? I do. Number two. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. And we certainly continue to encourage that outside of judges' homes, and that's the president's position. Wow. Supremely dangerous. That's what it is. That's why any rational observer would describe what's happening at the homes of conservative Supreme Court justices. I'm talking about a protest. And then yesterday we learned in the middle of our show, there would be assassin was caught in front of Justin Kavanaugh's home, armed to the teeth with knives and guns. Number one. Inflation is the is, is the is the bane of our existence. Inflation is mostly in food and in gasoline. You know, my dad used to say every, every family is a little bit of breathing room. So ridiculous. President Biden did his first sit down in four months and he chose Jimmy Kimmel. 
Did it reassure the American public that he has a handle on inflation, gas prices, and crime? No, but it did give him his communication team something to do today, and that's walk back a series of quips. With me right now is John Yu. We got him up early, former deputy assistant under George W. Deputy Assistant Attorney General under the Office of Legal Counsel for uh, under George Bush during his years. He's now an Emanuel Heller Professor of Law at the University of California at Berkeley. John, uh, thanks so much. Great to talk to you again. Hey, Brian, I don't get up early for anybody, but I will for you. I know. You're in your pajamas. I understand. Uh, so I, I just think, and maybe it's just hope, that Chesa Bodine's recall is the beginning of the end to this lack of law and order in America's big cities, or at least the attempt to make you people pay for their crimes. Am I overreaching with that statement? No, not at all. I've been a resident here. I've lived here and taught here for almost three decades now. I have never seen such a rejection by, I think, regular people, even the few who live here in the Bay Area. I think we live in the most liberal part of America. But people here are sick and tired of these progressive efforts to lift what have been successful policing strategies, strategies that have dropped the murder rates so fast and quickly all around the country. And then progressives in a coordinated effort, including here in San Francisco, ran these progressive candidates for DAs. They put in these extremely soft on crime policies that brought us back to the 1970s, murder rates, property crime rates shot through the roof. Fox has been very good telling the stories of what's been going on in San Francisco with you know, these uh, sorry, gang attacks and smashing grabs. Yes, smashing grabs, and CVSs and luxury stores. And look, Boudin, Chase Boudin, the DA here, lost by two to one. And there's no Republicans here in San Francisco. This is Democrats uh, who have had enough of their own party's pro-crime policies. So I think it's not just limited to here in San Francisco. If the people in San Francisco are sick of progressive policies, it's going to be something that's going to take even stronger hold and more moderate and sane places. But you know, this guy's a defense attorney. He had no no experience to be a prosecutor, but he went in there because he was handpicked by George Soros, as is Gascon, as is Fox in uh, in uh, Chicago, and we're seeing it in Philadelphia. And we don't know where exactly Alvin Bragg came from, but it wasn't from a right wing think tank. So in New York City. So I just think the fact that the liberals have risen up and listen to James Carville who got Bill Bill Clinton elected twice, cut eight. Democratic voters have seized control of their party. The the people of San Francisco won last night. The faculty at Berkeley, the University of California at Berkeley, lost. And, you know, this is not unusual. They lost in Seattle, Minneapolis, Buffalo, Cleveland, New Orleans, New York City. Uh, I I mean, hopefully that a lot of people in the party and a lot of people that cover the party and influences understand that the Democrats around the country live in this country and they, they want a safe country and they want people to pay attention to them. He wants separation between this. I think the law enforcement community won't allow that much separation. But when I look, John, at like a, a Bill Moore on a regular basis, James Carville, pretty regular, they're pretty consistent. They don't even recognize some of these issues that the Democrats have embraced over the last few years. But you are also in a unique opportunity, a unique perspective, because that's who your faculty is at Berkeley, and that's who the people around you who go to the grocery stores, 
those are mostly Democrats. Is there a separation between the Chesabodines, the Gascones, and them? I don't think so, but they're going to say there is. They're going to say, no, no, that's just some extreme wing of the party. We have nothing to do with them. But I'll tell you, these ideas that Boudin and these other progressive prosecutors in the cities you mentioned, including my, sadly my home city where I grew up in Philadelphia, uh, these are just the experimentation with the policies that my colleagues and others and other universities have been promoting for years. They hate the kind of uh, broke, what we call broken windows policing that was first used so successfully in New York City by Rudy Giuliani when he was a great mayor in New York that brought crime down and it was copied by other citizens. That's simple things like having the police officer stand to run a beat on the street, being able to stop and frisk people who look like they might have guns, being tough on uh, gun crime in the cities and instead, and being tough on every kind of crime so that you don't breed a culture of lawlessness. You know, the people at Berkeley, I, I love these guys, my colleagues, but a lot of them think that they believe in this mass incarceration idea that we have been too tough on criminals, we've got too many people in prison. Well, we've had a two-year experiment now, putting their policies into effect. And like I said, even with the lockdowns, the murder rate in San Francisco went up over 35% in just two years. Property crimes went way up. You've seen the videos of people just walking into CVSs, filling up duffel bags and walking out. No one can stop them. That's the product of not just one or two prosecutors. This is part of the, the progressive ethos, their approach to crime and their, I hate to say it, this sort of woke ideology that looks at crime as just another form of racial oppression instead of providing public safety for neighborhoods, particularly poor and minority neighborhoods. You know, John, I go out of my way not to do like the easy arguments, all one party's good and all one party's bad. I'll give you an example. If Harold Ford was running for president, I'd have a hard time not voting for him. If Henry Cuellar had a chance to put his agenda forward, this country would be an interesting debate, have an interesting debate. He's the Congress, uh, the congressman from the border community over in Texas. Interesting debate on issues, an intriguing intellectual debate on where we go and when it comes to health care, when it comes to spending. Those are the good old days. But I, between the ripping apart of the foundation of our history, the 1619 Project, this sense that the criminals run the asylum and we have no right locking up uh, anybody who breaks the law – this seems to be anti-Americanism, where you'll put your hands up in the air and go, are you even trying to make the country a better place? Do you get the sense there's people who are putting policies in place who don't like the country? Uh, Brian, that's a tough question, and I think you're putting your finger on a bigger theme, of course, than just the progressive politics. And it's, it's the idea under, uh, underlying uh, critical race theory, underlying the 1619 Project. It underlines a lot of... Uh, progressive thought you see out there today, which is, yeah, the, it's, a, it's, a des, it's a desire to criticize the country, to uh, look at the things that made America successful and that we all love. It's an effort to make it all look like it was oppression, that it was working for the rich or the wealthy or for certain races or classes, which I don't believe. But if you think that way, then, of course, you're going to say one of the first things you're going to say is, well, it's the police that have been oppressive and it's jails. And the way we run our criminal justice system is just an arm of that oppression. You know, that's not to say the police never make mistakes, just like any human institution will make mistakes. But the thing that strikes me as crazy is that we have had 
an amazing run before the Black Lives Matter protests. We had an amazing run of success with crime, where murder rates in places like New York City and Washington were lower than they'd been since before 1960. It's incredibly successful, and we turned our backs on it. And now, because of these ideologies you mentioned, Brian, and described, that we've unleashed a wave of crime throughout all of our inner cities, and that crime falls heavily, most heavily on poor and minority communities. So again, often, like I say, some of my uh, progressive uh, friends in the academy, they recommend policies that they don't really live under and that harm the very people they're trying to help. Exactly. They're doing follow, I don't know what it's called, follow backs in Beverly Hills, and they're, they're following these rich people back to their homes, and then they're robbing them and taking their cars. And that's when people in Los Angeles started paying attention. Oh, those gangs are killing each other. But smash and grabs are in beautiful areas in San Francisco. A friend of mine went golfing, and before he was too early, they dropped somebody at the airport, and they had a few hours, so they thought they'd go to Starbucks. In 20 minutes, their rent-a-car has every window smashed, and the, all their stuff is gone. And they said, what's going on? And the cops walked up and goes, this happens all the time. So they, and I, that's when it, it hit home for them. They're like, what is going on out in San Francisco? But I want to bring you to another area in which I need your insight on. Yesterday, somebody was picked up, and they've been charged with attempted murder of a U.S. judge and facing 20 years in prison because they were picked up with a Glock 17 pistol, two magazines, ammunition, pepper spray, zip ties, a hammer, a screwdriver, a nail punch, and a crowbar, and a pistol, light, duct tape, I could go on, hiking boots, and pads for their shoes. They planned on going to Justice Kavanaugh's house and, according to the would-be assassin, kill him and his family because they wanted their life to matter and then turned himself in by saying he's having suicidal thoughts. Marshall spotted him outside Justice Kavanaugh's house at 105. Inexplicably, he was arrested at 155. This was an attempted assassination, not even making the front page of the New York Times, and yet protests were allowed to happen in front of Kavanaugh's house one hour later. How do you process this as, as a student of the law? I, I, I'm sorry to see this day, but I have to say when I saw the opinion in the Dobbs case, right, the case about abortion that we're all expecting the next two or three weeks, when I saw that case leak, oh God, a part of me thought this, this kind of attempted assassination was going to be a predictable consequence of that leak. Whoever leaked that opinion put winning Roe versus Wade above the institution of the Supreme Court. They wanted to, whoever it was, wanted to politicize, turn the court's operations into politics. And if you believe what the leaks report, that the court is now split five to four on overturning Roe versus Wade, and that we might see that because of this draft opinion. And if there are people, radicals out there, who think winning, protecting Roe is more important than our very institutions of government, like the Supreme Court, then I'm, I, I was sorry. I thought there might be a crazy person who might try to right. knock off one of the justices, and that would destroy the five-justice majority, and Roe would be preserved. That's the way some of these people think. And I hate to say it. I think our government was slow. I think there are two things our government should have done. One, they were slow to protect the justices. They are now. But you might remember, Brian, that just initially after the leak, there were people who were demanding more security for the justices, and it took the Justice Department under Merrick Garland – a long time to get going. And then, too, there's a bill pending in the House to expand security for the justices and other federal judges, and it's languishing there. 
They're not moving forward. Speaker Pelosi doesn't want to do it. Uh, John, you, that's on the West Coast. Real quick, you know uh, Justice Kavanaugh. You served with him, didn't mm-hmm. you, with the Bush years, John, you. Yes. Do you think on some level he wish he was never nominated? No. In fact, I like to think that a justice like Brett Kavanaugh or others would say, this is the price of doing my job, and I will do it, even though there are, the, gotcha. there are those out there who are going to try to use force and illegitimate means to try to influence me. This should, I hope, make him have a stiffer backbone, because this is why you go into the job in the first place, not just the Supreme Court judge, but the federal judiciary as a whole. And so I, I expect him right. not to be influenced by this. And what about Justice Thomas? You used to clerk for Justice Thomas. Do you think he's wavering? No. In fact, I think of all the justices, he's the one who would react most strongly in the other direction from this kind of attack. Look at his career. He's been under grievous attack his whole career, and I think it's only made him a, a more stout uh, conservative, the leader of the conservatives on the court. Uh, John, you can't thank you enough. Appreciate your insight. Uh, very consequential time. Thanks, Brian. Always good to be with you. You got it. I know you wish it was later, but you chose to live 3,000 miles away. Thank you. Uh, when we come back, I'll take your calls. I see the lines. one 408 Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. What was clear yesterday, they don't have a plan. Uh, It's to hunker down and to hope the storm passes over, but to do nothing proactive. I say that because fuel prices, which you just highlighted, are a major, major driver of overall inflation. Now, if you ask them what they're going to do about the high price of fuel at the pump, they talk about decreasing tariffs on solar panels made in China. That is absurd. It is nuts. And raising taxes on corporation, insane. Raising taxes on millionaires, nuts. They think that by getting daycare for people, I don't know, get more back to work, who knows, to pay for gas prices that are astronomical or to pass prescription drug plans, I don't know. Is that going to address inflation and gas prices at the rate they're going up right now? That's not a plan. That's an agenda that was rejected by your own party. Two took the fall for many more, Senator Kristen Sinema and Senator Joe Manchin. And what the president decided to do yesterday is getting a total pass, but is outrageous. And I hope people stand up and say it. The New York Times, Washington Post, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, whatever, they have not gotten the interview. Brett Baer at Fox, Martha McCallum here with President Joe Biden. Why? Four months, no interviews. The first interview he gives is with Jimmy Kimmel. And I'm just comparing comparing to Barack Obama. Yeah, he did between two ferns. I get it. And he did some, I guess, some uh, uh, X, you know, Generation X interviews. I understand it. But he did other interviews. He also interviewed with Bill O'Reilly a couple of times. I think he interviewed with Brett Baer as well a couple of times. So Joe Biden's aren't even going through George Stephanopoulos anymore. The 
talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It's clear that if, in fact, the decision comes down the way it does and these states impose the limitations they're talking about, it's going to cause a mini-revolution. They're going to vote a lot of these folks out of office. Mini-revolution. I don't know. Is that a good choice of words? Brian Kilmeade back with you with Sandra Smith talking without, with a total lack of discipline. Uh, talking while I'm talking. How dare you, Sam Smith? So is sorry. that okay? Is that okay when John Roberts hosts with you? I mean, to me, I'm used to professionalism. I was going to warn you. I'm a little fired up this morning. But you are right, always fired me? up because All you. Right. I mean, you're you're one of these people. There's a lot of people who say, "Okay, this is my job," but you live these issues. Like you care about yeah. this, right? I do. I do. And I, I thought the interview was interesting for many reasons. A little scary at times as well. Uh, many Why, this, what do you mean by scary? A lot of the headlines this morning are making the case that he was gaslighting on the economy, touting how great things are. At the same time, the reason why he's sinking in the polls is because of the economy. Little out of touch with the suffering of, of the American people. Mini revolution? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, he seems But do to, you say that hours from when you knew the ju- ju- Supreme Court justice's assassin was picked yeah. up before he could strike? Yeah. Um, and his acknowledgement that um, – that, <laughs> Democrats won power of the House, the Senate, the White House, and still they're making very little progress. He was airing his frustrations at the same time, making a major admission that he has not been able to lead his party while having complete control of government. Um, so and obviously, <laughs> yeah, and so uh, fair enough. Um, so obviously, you look out into November, you've seen the forecasts. Um, it's going to get, it's going to get interesting. Here, here, uh, Eric, plate number two. This is what really Sanders referring to, uh, because I heard I read I read the transcript before I watched this. Mm -hmm, And I thought, what is he talking about? We have the fastest growing economy in the world, the world, the world. We have eight point six million new jobs just since I got in office. Unemployment rates down to three point six percent. We've reduced the deficit last year by three hundred and twenty billion dollars. This year, going to reduce it by one point seven trillion dollars, trillion dollars. Right. And so. We're the strongest economy, and that's allowed us at least to stay on top of and a little bit ahead of what's happening around the world. Tell that to the respondents of the most recent YouGov poll that found a majority of Republicans, 70 percent, and a sizable share of Democrats, 40 percent, think the U.S. is right now currently in a recession. Okay, the most tangible pain for the American people is economic Hardship. Yeah. Okay. Savings are going down. Interest rates are skyrocketing. Rents are up. Housing affordability is going down. I don't have to tell you about inflation, the cost of absolutely everything. Gas prices sky high. Uh, Food prices sky high. And there is about to be a big change when it comes to access for food around the globe. We're already seeing a huge impact because of what's happening in Ukraine and the closure of those ports by Russia. Can I just say emergency meeting between Turkey and Russia that try to open up those ports to allow the grain to leave the Ukraine? I'm not optimistic. Uh, Not optimistic. Uh, But what now is happening, uh, you've got the supply chain crisis, you've got diesel prices sky high, truckers just throwing in the towels saying they're not even going to commute, not going to transport those goods to the store shelves. You've got fertilizer prices sky high. Big story, not on everybody's radar. The higher those fertilizer prices go, the less farmers can afford to buy it and grow their crops. What do they do? They shrink their crop share. All of a sudden, we are no longer 
we're no longer growing and exporting as much food as the globe depends on us for. You're talking about potentially, and you've seen the UN and others warn on this, you're potentially talking about a major global food shortage right around the corner, Brian. I mean, so we think it's hard now. So for the president last night in that interview to sort of talk about this rosy picture for the economy is completely out of touch with what we're seeing. And you have this business background, too, so you're able to forecast more than most because, I mean, that's where you came from, that world. Mm -hmm. A couple of things going on. I think the one thing you learn in sales and in life and in conflict, if you're going to talk to somebody and they explain to you what's wrong and you don't acknowledge what's wrong, you will never make progress and they think that you don't respect them and you're certainly not listening. The American people are saying – we can't get baby formula. We're alarmed. You're about mm. to lose pet form, uh, pet formula. We never have seen in our life in our lifetime five dollars a gallon gas, and everything that we buy is more expensive from the stuff you need to the stuff you were thinking about buying. And then you say, "Well, we cut the deficit." Well, that's disingenuous because we just spent and printed all this money yeah. for the pandemic, which was not our fault, and you still don't blame the origins of the virus. And then you say we're going to continue to do this, and we have all these jobs are open. Okay, unemployment's low. But to not uh, open up with, here's my plan for the number one issue on every poll, and that's inflation, and the 1B is gasoline, to sit there and tell Jimmy Kimmel for 37 seconds how great everything is, Mm -hmm. is an insult. And with never an acknowledgement that any of this administration's policies on energy led to where we are today. How about the closure of the uh, Keystone XL pipeline Day one, when Biden took office, how about our ability to produce oil here at home? I keep inviting Democrats on our show, and they're always welcome. I had Seth Moulton on yesterday, Ro Khan on the day before. It's all reactionary. It's tapped the strategic petroleum reserves. Why are we implementing emergency moves when we have the resources to bring prices down right here? I have in front of me, because I ask our brain room to give me this every day, Brian. This is astounding. The national average gas price records have been – records have been reached 13 straight days now and for 30 out of the past 31 days. So why are we – still reacting like this is an emergency. This isn't new. This has been happening. And this is the result of a candidate, Joe Biden, that promised that he would end the fossil fuel industry in this country. I keep saying this as well, and I had uh, Lucas Tomlinson uh, make this chart. I I tweeted it out this morning. When you look at gas prices, don't just go back to Inauguration Day. That's not when gas prices started going up. Gas prices in this country started going up the day Joe Biden was elected in anticipation of the ending of the fossil fuel industry. So what did he tout as one of his biggest successes last night? His transition to green energy at the cost of the American people. He left that part out. Right. Uh, We're not ready. Electric cars aren't ready. Nope. Uh, the infrastructure is not even, not only is it paid for, it's not implemented. Debbie Stabenow has got her EV, though. $51,000 car, talking <laughs> about driving 350 all these miles without needing to recharge. Uh, so I was talking to somebody who's a car expert today and said, you know, on the average, these cars, maybe a used car is seven chips. It's like uh, hundreds of chips for these uh, electric cars. We don't have the electric cars. They're not there. Yeah. There's no replacement for the batteries in the in the first generation of electric cars. So there's no transition waiting. The wind and solar are not going to do it. You're seeing that in Europe. And a lot of people in Europe are going, yeah, I don't even want the windmill near me. Uh, do not yeah. give me a solar panel uh, uh, solar panel, solar panel pasture. Yep. I won't. I don't want it. So I want you to hear what Pete Buttigieg Sunday because I thought about you and Martha because you have this business background mm-hmm. as well. When he said this, it's been very striking right now. 
to see these oil companies uh, who have become almost ridiculously profitable. And you hear these oil executives on the record talking about um, how they're not going to increase production. Uh, why would they? They're doing great right now. It's why the president has called for a use it or lose it policy, where if you're sitting on these thousands of permits like these oil executives have been and you're not doing anything with them, then you're going to be held accountable for that. Now, so far, congressional Republicans have blocked action to do something like that. But we think that's another step that would make a difference among the many, many steps the president's already taken. It's, it's hard to hear this demonization of private business in this country. It really is. I mean, it's hard By people to that don't know oil and gas, too. They don't know that it's not a lease like a supermarket. Cut the ribbon and let's go drill. But that's what the goes very rhetoric that is keeping them from tapping into these leases and drilling for the oil with prices where they are today because they don't know if the rules of the game will change midway through. And that is a that is a risk-reward calculation that every private business has to employ before they take action. So if there was even the slightest, friendliest um, you know, business-friendly rhetoric or environment created by this administration to produce more oil in this country, why wouldn't those companies take advantage of sky-high oil and gas prices? You have to ask yourself that. So for What Made America Great, we did the history of oil and gas in this country. I don't know. I'm all ears, so I'm fascinated by it. I was able to go with George P. Bush about six months ago mm-hmm. out to these oil fields to talk about what goes into it. Love it. So what happens is they also did something to try to pure alley. They went to Wall Street, and they said, stop – uh, stop recommending investments in oil and gas and fossil fuel companies. That's right. So the so the the Johnsons down the street, the middle class yep. uh, union member, no longer has in their portfolio yeah. oil and gas stocks, even if they would make more yeah. money. And now they want them to help. So then you said, excuse me. Now I can't get any investment dollars. I, you told all these people not to work in oil and gas, too. You told generations it's evil. So I can't get the 20-somethings to do this great living yeah. in Midland, Texas yeah. anymore That's that true. gives us great football and great families yeah. and great livings and great pensions. So we're seeing this ripple effect. Then you go, okay, oil's too high. Guys, start drilling. Excuse me. Stop drilling. You gave me a leash. You didn't give me a permit. I got to get a permit. How long is it going to take to get a permit? It's going to take months. going to take years. By the time I get that permit— Who's going to be president? What's the price of gas? You have to guarantee me I'm going to get $60, $70 worth of barrel, a barrel and of gas. And that's never guaranteed. Right, never guaranteed. But if you wanted to, could you do a warp speed type deal where you told the prescription drug people, you go to told Moderna, yeah. I'm going to buy it. Even if it doesn't work, I'm going to buy it yeah. because I want the result. And it worked. It was yeah. a bet worth taking. I'll back you because right now it's 120 a barrel. Mm-hmm. I'll back you at 60 Drill for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to cut some red tape for you. Mm-hmm. But just do it. Can you do that? Mm-hmm. There's no deal. It's like you better go punch a hole. No. Send the mayor of South Bend out on national television to tell oil companies what they're not doing. You know what, though? They're not just demonizing the big oil companies. When gas prices weren't coming down fast enough, when oil dropped below 100, they were demonizing the mom and pop shops that have nothing to do with how, these, uh, how the, the prices work. And by the way, 120 might seem pretty cheap soon. Goldman Sachs is saying oil prices are likely going to $140 a barrel, and it'll feel more like $160 a barrel to the American people uh, when you consider the price of gasoline. But no fear, the EV vehicle. You mentioned 50000 Just so you know, with inflation now, the average price of an EV is up over $60,000. If you can get one. And let them eat cake, Debbie Stabenow in her home state of Michigan – the median household income in her state is below the price, the average price of an electric vehicle. 
But she says that's the solution to sky-high gas prices. I mean, think about that for a second. It's it's crazy, and she does that without inhibition, without realizing what she's saying. Mm -hmm. And I uh, I don't need to to plug my series too much, but I also did the history of the automobile, Mm -hmm. and I was able to talk to the CEO of Ford. Love it. and I said to him, he goes, you know, Joe, Joe Biden came here and he drove the electric car. And I, I drove in it. They wouldn't let me drive it. Uh, but the, the new Lightning. And they got immediately put it up and they had all these sales, but they don't have the cars. So I said, what's the problem? He goes, my worry is the rare earth. And I said, isn't it, isn't it on Jim Farley? I said, Jim, isn't it okay for you if they're going to demand you do this? Isn't it – aren't you going to demand the government mm-hmm. give you the rare earth necessary yeah. to make the cars? Because yeah. right now China has all of it, and they're taking over the African mines. They control it like Congo. Yeah. We gave it up, You're which is the lithium batteries, the right? lithium batteries, right, that we're highly dependent on China for. And he says, yeah, I need the government to help me there. Not to mention 61% of the electricity – to charge those electric vehicles is coming from fossil fuels. So who really thought this through? You know who's a great voice on all this? Bjorn Lomborg. I'm having him on my show today. He often writes about this in the Wall Street Journal. He's not a climate change denier, uh, but he says we're just not ready. And so you've got Democrats, you've got the Greenies, you've got the administration. They're pushing something in an economy right now that cannot handle it. We're not ready for this great transition. And so it's the American people that are paying the price. Who else do you have? Uh, today, top of the show, we just changed it. We've got uh, Sherry Bustos coming on with us, another Democrat from Illinois. Want to pick her brain, obviously, about the agricultural markets and beyond. A lot of talk about what happened yesterday with uh, Justice Kavanaugh and the threat outside of his house. Uh, we've got a bunch of e- economic panels coming on the show today. Tom Homan talking about the border. Daryl Issa joining us. And one of my favorites, Governor Jared Polis coming on from the great state of Colorado. The Democratic governor will be joining us. And actually, we're going to be talking about him vetoing a bill that would have required EV chargers in new and renovated buildings, warning it could further raise housing prices across his state. It's amazing how people oh. don't understand that that is a great show, how the ripple effects of their policy, how no one says, OK, Mr. President, if I do this and you demand this, the ripple effect is some of those buildings won't get built and some of those businesses won't be able to launch sure. because the leases are going to go up. They're not going to be able to afford it. Those going to stay empty. No one ever thinks what the what the reaction is going to be to a policy. It astounds me. By the way, did you see the new average rent price in New York City? Overnight, top four thousand dollars. Right. So, in a city nobody wants to live in because crime sky high. Yeah. I mean, this is a mess. More people are exiting New York City and then going to Florida than any other Ooh. city. Uh, listen, Sandro, you still got a few more minutes with us, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, back at him. Oh, do you have to go somewhere right? No, you're not doing outnumbered, are you? Just a hair Those and are- makeup at noon. That's all. Okay. Uh, I don't think you need it. But uh, the old days was Sandra Smith on Outnumbered. Those were the old days. Oh, did you just say that? Outnumbered? Yeah. yeah. Remember you were doing Outnumbered? America Reports, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern time right. with Sandra Smith and I'm John saying Roberts. You're, now you have no reason to blow me off because the old days you would have oh, run down. Oh, I had to run at noon. Yeah. I'm not that detached, not I promise. Back in a moment. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I lost my only child. My only child. I had four miscarriages. Daniel was a gift from God. And I lost him 22 months and 20 days ago. Yes, I'm counting. I'll be counting for the rest of my life. And I tell you now, 
that we have to do something. Our leaders have to work together. This is an issue that we all agree on. And you're talking about security for just justices, let alone Supreme Court justices. Sandra Smith, that was your interview yesterday. Yes, and that was a judge who in 2020, um, uh, her son and her husband were shot in the doorstep of Esther her Salas. home. Yes, and her son was killed. Uh, her husband made it through it, her only son. Um, just a terrifying, horrific uh, interview um, to hear her, her, her story um, that we all know too well. Look— I don't understand. I don't. I don't get why the Supreme Court justices aren't getting the more protection and more security that they desperately need right now. Um, it was stepped up back in May. Um, they get full time uh, U.S. Marshal security uh, outside of their home and elsewhere. Um, that is more than they were getting. But this is this bill that passed in the Senate that's in the House gathering dust um, is to provide more protection for their family members. Why would we not all support it that? stopped in the House. Nancy Pelosi will put it to a vote. That's Senator crazy. Coons on the record. Durbin says we got to do this. What's 100%. going on here? I don't know. I say ro- ro- roll a scroll on any Democrat who's getting in the way of passing more protection for Supreme Court justices and their families in the wake of this. I had Mike Davis on the top of our show yesterday. Former clerk to Justice Neil Gorsuch. He is um, a friend to many of the justices as well. Uh, he joined us and he said, look, this is exactly what everybody saw coming. You go back um, to the steps of the Capitol with the megaphone, Chuck Schumer. Um, he he called for this. He tried to walk it back in the hours and days that followed, Brian. Mm-hmm. But he called for this, that there would be an awakening. Right. Uh, it's unbelievable. I just got some news that's going to help New Yorkers, our WABC listeners, WRCN listeners. Uh, Mayor Adams has just made mass optional for preschoolers, believe it or not. In, Amen. In this in this city, you had, if you were a toddler, uh. weren't in kindergarten, you had to wear it because your vaccines weren't eligible. Do you believe this? Can you think about that? Two, three, and four-year-old kids that were still today, while we're all living our lives, we're still having these, and those kids are learning to talk. When does it start, Allison? All right, June 13th, it starts. We've got a couple more days. Sandra, we're going to watch you from 1 to 3 with, Thank you, Brian. with the other guy. His name is until Okay, John Roberts. <laughs> Thanks so much. That's America Reports. And we love him. Thanks. All right, Brian Kilmeade. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.